Creators, what's going on? You already know when the how go. It's another edition of Cuts. You know what the Cuts stand for? Culture, Urban, Technology, and Sports. You know what I'm saying? Now we here. This is episode 108. Episode 107 was fire. I mean, in my book, it was fire because I was talking to SEO expert Brandon Libowitz. Oh, man. Let me tell you something. When, when it comes to SEO, my creators, I'm reaching out to you guys right now. I'm over here in this camera angle, this camera angle, too. Yo. You gotta, gotta, gotta take advantage of the SEO. It is very important when you're building up your brand. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to get through the search engines to get to the top three, maybe top two on Google searches and everything like that. You must, must, must have a strong, strong SEO. So definitely check out that episode 107. Nonetheless, we're here for episode 108. Let me go into story time. I ain't gonna hold you with this man right here. I ain't gonna hold you. Yo, one of the dopest, dopest, dopest music artists, networking events I've been to since being in A&R the last two years with Worldwide Sound Records. You already know what it is. Shout out yeah. to DJ Chase. We in the building. Um, Appreciate that, man. Yeah, nah, definitely real talk. Um, yo, it, it was just, it was refreshing because, see, when when it comes to these type of events, right, and this is my best assessment, it, it it's always lackluster in a sense because of the figures they get. So, okay, you may get one or two that are experts per se, but they're not they're not saying valuable shit. They're saying almost mediocre to okay, cookie cookie cutting shit right. that okay, the average independent artist or thereof, they're not really feeling that shit because it's not relatable. Right. You know what I'm saying? So definitely with your program, you know, and, and I'll say program and event, yo, I ain't gonna hold you. It was relatable because Shout to Ron Mills. You know, if you know Ron Mills, you gotta know Ron Mills. If you're in this industry, you have to know Ron Mills. Like, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Definitely shout out to Ron. Shout out to Ron Mills of SiriusXM, uh, program direct, major league program director over there, SiriusXM. He oh, he kept it funky. He was keeping it real. Yeah. He was making it relatable, and and definitely with your program, you know that's what it was. And I go hold you even afterwards, man. Cool dude. Wasn't cocky. Wasn't like yo, yeah, you came to my event, ha. Huh? So what? You know what I'm saying? No, it was just dope. We we exchanged info, we kept in contact. I ain't going. I told him, I said, "Yo, bro, gotta have you on season five." Nonetheless, I got my man Mate in the building, son. Mate, what's good, son? What's going on, man? Thank nah, you, Thank yeah, you for having me. Nah, of course, man. Of course, man. I, and and just I got. I have to give you your flowers because of what you're doing so far. You know, with with your brand and everything like that, and just alone the magnitude of what you can do for an independent artist. Right. You know what I'm saying? So let's definitely just dive into it, man. Take us into what you felt during that event, man. Like, because I know you probably felt a lot of emotions, but let my creators know, reaching out to my creators right now, let them know about this this event, you know, the um, Music Accelerator event. And then also, too, what do you what do you want going further after you do these type of events? Take, yeah, go into that, man. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely having Rob Mills uh, was a blessing, and I try not to research too much of who those people are until, like, right before. Cause then you know what I'm saying it may get like nervous or make it, I don't know it, it's a different vibe but my man I gotta uh, give a shout out to JC okay uh, that owns Colorworks um, he's the one that had the relationship set it up shout out to Colorworks and the whole thing kind of happened because JC got me on board early on last year to uh, be a part of DJ Enough show 
We're doing a show called Outside the Box. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if the show is going to continue, but it, it was definitely a dope uh, kind of you know event or introduction to the heavy hitters to the whole crew. We were my company was doing the marketing for it, and I came up with this idea that to bring some more light to the show. Why not come up to New York every time uh, DJ Enough interviews a bunch of different artists on the show? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to hold like a, a artist seminar because I already had a, mu- a music. It's called Indie Artist Accelerator, which I'll talk about later. Right. But, you know, one of the things I do is educate independent artists, producers, DJs, uh, managers, whatever, on how to make it. So they're like, yeah, that's dope. They agreed. So the first four or five of them was just me coming there. I would retarget all my followers from New York. I would get 40, 50 people in the building, you know, artists and managers. And I was just talking about strategies and blueprints on how to make it in the music industry. And then I was like, JC, why don't we, you know, and I was talking to E, enough. I was like, why don't we get some uh, music industry, like behind the scenes people that are just really making it happen that nobody knows, nobody knows about because that's really the people that move the industry for the most part. Right. You know, so... Then start from there. I had Jazz Poe on. Um, Amelia Moore came through. She used to be. Oh, shout out to Amelia, yo. Yeah, that's yeah. family. Yo, shout out to yeah. Amelia Moore, man. She came through. Then uh, Ron Mills came through. Uh, I had um, a couple of the heavy hitter DJs uh, were there. Uh, one of them was a VP at Capitol Records, you know. So I want to continue it. I wanna, I'm looking for a spot now in Brooklyn to continue it monthly. Right. Um, but the goal of it is to do two things A, uh, help out artists with the early strategies to get to the next level and bring people on that uh, can help artists, but really ask them, like you were saying, like dig deep and get the information out of there. Right. That usually they may not say themselves. Cause I, I look at these interviews all the time with, you know, industry moguls being interviewed on podcasts and they give like this high level information that if you don't understand the business as an artist, you may even do the wrong things to try to get to that. Like person is talking about, like get your Spotify streams up. Okay, and then artists go and get, like, bullshit third-party playlists, get scammed, don't build fans and all of that. And after, you know, $10,000 and no movement happened, they're exhausted, pissed off, got scammed and all that. They're like, well, I listened to such and such in the podcast, so I get your uh, Spotify streams up. But they didn't get deep into how, right. how not to do it, how right. to do it, what to, you know. So that, that's the goal of these seminars, to just get deeper and to really help artists. And then, you know, point them in the right directions, either to my program or my company that can help them and, you know, just create a dope networking event for people that are trying to make it. Yeah, that's what's up, man. See, I want my creators to understand definitely what he started off saying. You as a, a music artist or thereof, or even for that matter, even if you're a curator of events or thereof, don't just give the vanilla answers to artists that are coming in because it's real talk. I, and I'll keep it a buck. Even me as an A&R, a lot of times I come or I bump into artists that don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. And 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 you understand, we're in an era where it's instant gratification times 40. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? So if you got 10 artists, that's like 400 times the, more of the instant, um, instant gratification that they want things done. I'm glad, and also, too, I'm really, really glad at what you start off with touching and saying, like, yo, all right, yeah, you guys... You got to look past what that figure says. I'm not, and I'm not going to be the one to say, okay, figure is saying stuff wrong or saying stuff right. But I feel, even as political as it is, that's just what you have to expect because, okay, they're said figure. You yeah. know what I'm saying? They're the said figure or the said highlight figure, or the big figure thereof that's doing this shit. So you got to kind of really do your homework. But once again, because of technology, 
right? Technology eliminates anybody wanting to do further research. It's okay, instant gratification. I want it now. Yeah. Got to get done, 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 done. Let's let's go through your back roots. We're gonna go with your back roots, and we're gonna go over yeah. the other things as well and everything. Let's go with your back roots. I feel just being from Maryland, right? It's 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 a gift and a curse in a sense, right? Because on one hand, the market is is big because there's not that many people being the big fish in that market. Right. But then the the curse is all right. You got to really put enough energy to make people come to that pond or come to that water in a sense. Take us into what drove you, you know, besides the fact of the the, the obvious, okay, because it's NY or whatever, but take us to another answer or another insight or, or, or vision of what it was for you to say, okay, let me, even though we have a big pond, but let me be a bigger fish at another pond. Take, take us into that. So from a, let me see. Music industry perspective, I figured out what are the major cities where the business infrastructure for a particular industry exists in, right? Mm-hmm. But I'll start even way back. So I'm actually, I moved here from uh, Eastern Europe. I'm from Slovakia. Okay. So I moved to the United States, and the first city I landed in was New York City. So as a kid, I was amazed. That's the city I've seen in the movies mm-hmm. till I was like 11, 12. Right. Never seen in real life. So I was always mesmerized by New York City, Right. right. Luckily, I live in Maryland, which is three hours away. But, you know, once I became an entrepreneur out of college and all that, um, I've had successes in other business uh, models and industries. Mm-hmm. One primarily was in energy efficiency. I had a company that we built it from zero to, like, 60 people uh, over, like, five, six-year period. We were doing, like, $5 million plus a year in, in revenue. And it was doing energy audits for residential, commercial, and, like, multifamily homes. Right. And uh, the reason I like to give this example is uh, important because <clears> – <throat> At the time, this was during Obama's administration, there was a lot of government money being thrown down on the East Coast, especially the D.C., the DMV area, mm-hmm. as a pilot ground for what California was able to achieve uh, from energy efficiency standpoint. So right. we were in the midst of like the industry where all the policymakers, all the money, anything regarding energy efficiency was going on in DMV. So we're able to build a thriving business there in that industry. Mm-hmm. If we try to do that shit in Texas and the oil country – it would never happen. It would have been going up the grain the whole time. So once I got in the music industry, you know, and I try to study it as a business, of course, in the beginning to make sure I try to avoid some mistakes. Right. You know, we would go to showcases, we would go to this, this, and that, and we just kept getting scammed. It wasn't really growing fans. It was all this. And I was like, hold on, let me just take a pause and look deeper. So I started, you know, um, studying, like, where do the, all the label offices, where are they located at? Where are all the, like, ASCAP and BMI offices? Where are the, the people that make it? Like artists, like Jay Z, for example, do they like where do they have the clubs and other businesses that we can rub shoulders with them and all of that? And New York was on the map, L.A. and Atlanta. So being in uh, Maryland, I'm like, I'm gonna go to New York. Plus, I love the city. I used to live in Brooklyn on and off for two years. Nice. So any chance I would get to go back to New York, I'm like, I- I'm going. So somewhere around 2015, 2016, I was like, man, screw the DMV. Not right. you know, I lived there. I, I love I love the place, but. From a music industry standpoint, like I'm just get, running in circles, there's nothing I could do here. So let me start going up to New York, and if I'm going to make any connections, let me see what I can do here because it'll accelerate what I'm trying to do uh, with my label, with my artists, and all of that. And you know, it, I was right about that. Just like the example I gave with the energy efficiency industry, I had to go to the market where the other infrastructure was because DMV is a consumer market. Once the artist blows up, I mean, well, we got Wale, we got Shaglizzy. A lot of people came out of that area, mm-hmm. but it was because 
they made a name for themselves initially. You, you know, you got to own your own, like, own area. But once the label got them to the next level, they all moved out. Oh, yeah, by far. And none of them came back to buy clubs or own any other establishments and all of that to sort of attract the other, you know, music industry um People to come, yeah, right. Yeah, they, everybody's gone. Like, mm. you know, D.C. or Baltimore is just not one of those cities. It's very musical. Right. You know, like, D.C. has its own sound, Baltimore has its own sound, but so it's a consumer market, but not a music industry market where you can actually make the right connections, mm-hmm. at, whether you're a label artist or producer that can actually help you accelerate your career. It's just not. Mm. Hopefully one day, since if I remain there, I can sort of attract some of that industry in there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, certain cities are just that's that's the industry. Just like you know, oil, you know, Texas. There's a lot of oil companies, tycoons. You know, whole thing over there. Right. Florida got certain industries that just kind of like thrive in that particular state. You know, so it, I th- feel like it's one of those industries. It's like there's only a few entertainment capitals in, in the U.S. where it makes sense to network in. All right, now, nah, nah, that's what's up. I mean, it made, it made a lot of sense what you said. You know what I'm saying? And I feel even the reverse with the people from New York. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we we one of the main pinpoints of the world and everything like that. But at the end of the day, you still got to go to other places and and have them either come back to New York or, for that matter, make sure they understand why you're from New York. You know what I'm saying? I feel even with a lot of New York artists, they kind of miss the steps on that a little bit. Like, you know, they feel like, okay, because we're from New York. Like okay, yeah, it has to be here. Like it's gonna happen. Just like it. It's like nah, bro, you bugging. Like there's other parts in the world outside or in the country outside of New York. So yeah, you know what I'm saying. Also too, it it puts a bad stain on our name because even on business wise, you know, a lot of times these motherfuckers don't like fucking dealing with with artists from New York. You know, it's a give or take. You know what yeah. I'm saying. And I'm and I want everybody to understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying or shitting on New York. What I'm saying is. That over the years, and and listen, I've been in the game for sixteen. You, how many you, you've been in the game for? Uh, about full time, four years. Okay, since like twenty seventeen. Okay, all right, but 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 what I'm what I'm basically saying is this: over the times of what I've seen, right? And I'm not going against you or, or right. going against what your years are. You know what I'm saying? But over the years of what I've seen, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, y'all niggas is fucking up for everybody else that's gonna come and do something. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're fucking up. The relationships you're fucking up, you're, you're putting a stain or a, a cap at, at where we're at. Because then it's like, all right, if this one fuck it up, then oh man, up oh, this it. other one from New York, nah, I don't know, and it makes it harder. You know what I'm saying? So I'm definitely glad you touched on that. Now, I, what I noticed with you as a late that you you teamed up with Clinton Sparks. Shout out to Clinton Sparks. Clinton yes, Sparks sir. is doing tremendous fucking shit out there. <laughs> like just ODing and that's not just dropping names or clout chasing or nothing like that. It's just giving the flowers where they do. Now you and him are definitely collabing. Let's talk about that. Take take my creators. We're reaching to my creators. Take my creators into that collaboration as well as how has that collaboration been going so far? Yeah, no, I'm super excited to be working with Clinton Sparks and to partner up on a major thing we got coming out. I mean, I might as well announce this. Group. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Talent Accelerator Group. Okay. TXG is going to be, that's the logo. Uh, we pushed it to like mid-August, um, but publicly is going to be everywhere probably September time. And it's basically the merger of my Indie Artist Accelerator, which right. is like an online incubator slash accelerator for artists, mm-hmm. and his group, which is a winner circle, which is sort of a similar thing off of you know his initiatives of how he's trying to help independent artists. And the way it started is, uh, shit, has it been two years? Like a year and a half ago, he just um, 
reached out to me okay. on his own. Like wow. DM me. He's like, man, I really, you know, like what you're doing, da da da. I just put out a book. Why don't you go ahead, you know, and, and check it out? And I was, you know, first I was like, Clint Spar, this and that get familiar. I was like, shit, I grew up on listening to his mixtapes. Right. So I was like, wow, that, that means a lot that mm -hmm. he reached out to me. And turned out actually that uh, shout out to Wendy Day. By the way, that's that's my girl, one of my favorite people in the industry. Right, right. She uh, apparently Clinton reached out to her, was asking her, you know, what do you think about Matei, this guy, you know, talking about like music industry, all that. And she co-signed me because I actually work with her artist um, to help with digital marketing. So you know, he, I think I ended up getting one of the first copies of his book on like PDF. Then I read it, and then we connected, and. You know, so I, that was the beginning. Then a couple months later, um, he launched a show. It was called Win Big with Clint Sparks on Twitch. He's doing right. big things on Twitch. So he right. uh, reached out to me again and like, would you mind coming to my podcast talking about what you do? I'm like, of course. Right. You know, yeah, name the time, yeah. I'm in. So we did the podcast. Then I stayed in touch. We met a few times, like separately on our own, just started talking. And mm -hmm. it just seemed like we had a lot of things in common in terms of what we we're trying to do with the music industry. And, you know, I kind of told him my business background, where I came from, what's been some of the struggles I experienced, some of the learning I, I got, and what my goal was for the next five to ten years of how I want to help artists. And, you know, it, we kind of clicked. Then I became like a host of, uh, uh, on the show, or like we do this little thing called Music Biz Weekly, where I, uh, on the Wimbick show I used to come in and for like 20, 30 minutes we would just cover like what are some of the news going on in the industry, like right. merger between, or like Spotify just bought this company, or uh, the courts won you know, a major uh, uh, court case for writers and, th you know, just like mm -hmm. stuff behind the scenes to teach the artist the business. And then when he transitioned that show to uh, Who Got the Hits, which if any artist watching this or even producer, if you're not on Who Got the Hits every Monday night, uh, you can get your songs reviewed there. Facts. Your beats. And Clinton Sparks actually bringing in major A&Rs and business mogul, you know, in the, in the music game, CEOs of labels and shit like that to evaluate the music with him. Mm -hmm. There's been so many, like he had London on the track on there one wow. time. And they played, you know, one independent artist played their song on, on the track was like, I love this shit. Like DM me right now, let's work. You know, so the opportunities to have him. But anyways, once he created that show, who got the hits, I continue to be, you know, the uh, the music biz weekly portion of the, the uh, show. Mm -hmm. And then came out to LA a few times um, to meet him, to talk more and more. And then I proposed, why don't we merge my accelerator and your winner circle? And, you know, that's what we've been working on for like, the whole 2021 and making sure that comes out the right way and you know that's the the whole story behind our collaboration so i'm, I'm super excited oh man you it. i'm yeah. shit i'm excited you know what i'm saying because it, it goes to show that okay and to let artists know you know what i'm saying that yo there are people that care there's not people here that want to ruin your careers or for that matter want to change your creative appetite yeah we want you just as much as anybody wants you that a, a similar of what you guys are doing, you know what I'm saying, to succeed because at the end of the day, we care for our culture. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We care. We vet who comes into this and does things. You know what I'm saying? Also, too, like like I, I talked to Chase about it. He wants to get a shot to DJ Chase. Yo, I just feel like it, maybe I'm wrong in what I'm saying or maybe I am right what I'm about to say. But, yo, you don't need to do music. That's just me. You don't need to do music. You don't need to come into this industry, son. It is a pure fucking want, son. Yeah. It's a pure want. Yeah. There's not a need for this shit. Or for you or for me, for that matter. You did not need to be Mate. I did not need to be Remo Marac. Okay? We wanted to be this for a reason. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and also to understand 
that as an artist thereof or curator or event planner or whatever have you in this space, in this musical space, in this creative space, in this industry, you have a fucking responsibility. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? What do you feel about that in regards to people having a responsibility per se? Is it more so you believe it for within you to make sure that, you know, you're responsible and you just give out the best energy and the best product? Or do you feel as a whole totality within the culture that those that are within the culture, within the industry should have that same kind of premise right. or take on it? Take us into that. I think people personally should be transparent and give, you know, the if they, if they claim to help people or create a service to help people, it right. should be legit and they should work to make sure that it's the best it could possibly because there's plenty... I mean, the music industry is the, what I call the Wild Wild West. Mm. And I don't think it's a, a particular like culture of hip-hop or country music or EDM or whatever. All of them have their own wrong shit going on. Right. And I think, I don't know if it, you know, it's definitely a personal decision for me. My, my background, the way I was raised by my parents, coming from a former communist country, coming to the United States, the line of opportunity, and all the shit that I've been through and the, you know, some of the difficulties I had as a foreign kid to try to come up um, to say, look, I really want to help artists to do the right way. I got scammed plenty of times, and it wasn't like a retaliation because I got scammed for a bunch of money when I try to help artists. It was just from the beginning, I try to always do the right thing and, and help people. Just, that was instilled with me, you know, since I was a little kid by my parents and, you know, the education that I got. So I think, you know, it's different for every person. And I understand people want to make money, they want to succeed and all of that. And it's just the way the industry, I feel like the way it is, it creates a lot of resentment for a lot of people to get in because they get scammed and they just be like, all right, fuck it, I got to get mine, I got to get do this, right. however I got to do it. And I'm hoping that, you know, me, you, me, Clinton, right. Randy, we can change this over. It's going to take some time. Time, yeah, right. You know, and look, labels have a lot to do with that because labels have been doing oh, artists wrong man. for decades. Oh, my God, decades, fucking know? eons. And there's no regulation in the music industry or right. entertainment at all. So it just kind of evolved that way. But mm-hmm. just like it evolved that way, it could evolve the other way. So that was my personal choice to you know go that route and you know one thing i gotta say about clinton as well because it was just because you know definitely he's achieved so much and he reached out to me i wasn't like oh i'm gonna work with whoever uh the reason i chose to you know move forward with him is because i really did my research and he's truly genuine right there's not a lot of people like that in the game you know what i'm saying right so i I really felt like all right if i'm gonna partner up with anybody i gotta make sure it's the right you know fit and clinton truly does want to help he never talks about any bullshit or try to get artists to do this and that for money. Right. Um, he generally wants to help, and he's got a lot of experience, a lot of connections. And, you know, to, even to me, I was like, that's rare in this industry. Right. And it's crazy for me that the way I've uh, grown my brand, a lot of times what people tell me is like, bro, the reason I've been following you is because you're so transparent and real. And it was interesting that all I had to do was just be the transparent person. Mm-hmm. And not that I'm exposing it. Like, I don't ever expose anybody by name or anything like that, but... Like, that's what helped my brand, as opposed to everybody else is doing marketing, they're doing this, sale, you know, come get our playlist and service, blah, blah, blah. And, like, you know, I'm the type of guy that even if we use playlist and services, like, uh, uh, two two years ago as a company, I was always transparent about how we try to vet the services, right. what they do, da, da, da. And after I went through so many that just never worked for any of our clients, I'm like, I'm, I'm done with this. We identify why this shit doesn't work, and then I try to put that information out. You know what I'm saying? So I think it has to come within all of us. Right. right. I don't know. I mean, how, how do you feel about it? Like, do you, no, I mean, no. <clears throat> I think what it is, it's it's not only a numbers thing. It's also a matter of, okay, 
us and within the independent circuit, right? Mm -hmm. When are we going to finally say, okay, enough with being of the independent circuit, we need to start raising the value almost in comparison to what the mainstream value is, right? Because if I don't know if you notice, you know, both entities are actually crossing in a sense, right? Because mainstreamers are now wanting to be independent and do their own thing now, not be part of labels, not yep. be part of the structure or the, or the, or the, how, how, how do you say, not even, not even shit. Yeah, the machine and everything like that. And then us in the independent, we're inching somewhat in ways closer, but then again, we always take steps back because just like you said, there's not enough people that want to be genuine with this. Yeah. And especially even shout, uh, shout out to Chase once again, you know, we had to talk the other day about the whole thing with the showcases, right? And my whole thing is this, right? I just wanted—I just want people to make it make sense for me, right? Yeah. Why do you need above fifteen artists for your showcase? I just want somebody to make it make sense. Don't give me the vanilla answer of, "Oh well, you know, it's because we want money right. and we gotta we gotta uh, build up the budget so that way we could pay off the space." Fuck all that. Make it make sense. Why do we need above fifteen for a at best, what three and a half hour? All right, let's argue. Say four hour set yeah. show. Why the fuck do we need fifteen? Can let's let's let's, let's dive into that. Why the fuck do we need more than fifteen? I got a lot to say about. Show- no, no, let's go. No, let's get let's so, go. Let's go with it. Yeah, you, let's you know, go with it. So here's the problem with showcase. Here's some good things that that could be used for, and here's some shit that's whack. And then artists, it takes them like thirty showcases to find the shit out. Sometimes, right? Depending on what area. But look. Um, a showcase is supposed to be trying to get, I mean, at least the way advertisers, like, we're going to build your, we're going to help build your fan base, come and perform in front of all these people. The problem is none of those people are consumers or fans of music. It's 50 other artists and maybe their managers or maybe artist brings his girl or his friend or whatever, and that's who you perform it in front of. So you got all these artists that probably are all in the same struggle trying to figure out what the hell is going on. They're performing for each other, in front of each other. Mm-hmm. It's never a situation where all of them stay in the building. Like, the first kind right. of guys, then they leave and all that. It's, it's kind of shitty. And, like, what does that do, right? So what I tell artists is that, look, you also have to get good on stage. So go to a few. Definitely go to a few because you need to understand what it's like to give a good performance. And right. how to be good on stage, how to work with the audio engineer and all of that. The lighting. Right? But if you expect to go to these showcases to gain fans, it's just most of them, that's not going to happen. So... How do you make showcases valuable? Again, lower the amount of artists that are coming through and then bring value to those artists if, and be transparent with them to say, look, there's going to be probably the other 75 to 150 people are going to show up. There are going to be other artists and their close you know, team members at best. But the value we can get you out of this is maybe we'll bring, um, I don't know, you know uh, DJ Enough from Hot 97 to be one of the judges and give his thoughts on what he thinks are the top three songs that were, you know, valued by the crowd, blah, 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 because, A, you get, uh, you know, feedback from a legend, somebody that's on the right. radio. You get the network, potentially, because you can network right there, or bring right. multiple DJs, you know what I'm saying? Right. My, my, uh, my man DJ E. Stacks, for example, from Shade 40. There's so many people that you could bring that could bring value to the artist, and you could do it that way, or you could do prizes, or... You know, I've been part of a few showcases where I offered our digital marketing services at a discount, and they would allow me to speak. You know, so it was good for my business as well. But I felt like those showcases were more valuable because the artist could actually then uh, find somebody who can help them teach the business, right? right. So that's that's my pet peeve. Is like, why invite all these artists? At least now, there's other way. Like, let's say you're a DJ at a college party, 
You could also do it in a different way. You could do a showcase with three or four artists, right? Because you can't just bring random artists that are not vetted or the music, like DJs to approve it to keep the party going. But the question is, can you make a showcase that could actually get the artists in front of like 200 regular consumers, regular fans? Right. And I think there is, but there's no way 15. There's like three to four artists tops. It's got to be in a spot where consumers go to hang out and enjoy DJ potentially. And that DJ handpicks or however he makes the word that's on him. But he can say, look, I got my man, blah, blah. He's going to do one song. Right. Because it fits of what I'm already spinning to for the night. Ex fucking exactly. So there's multiple ways of doing it, but there's a lot of showcases. Are, a lot of them, I mean, and they make a bad name for all the showcases, which sucks. You know what I'm saying? So, And that's what the fuck. I, that, see, not, see what, we, what you just expressed was something that made sense, right? Because on one hand, right, and, and this is my, I'm just speaking off my observation of, of the shits. You know, I... I do I know a couple of people that have done quality ones? Yes. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, it's been bad over no no quality. No. I know a few, you know, that have done quality showcases. But in the same token, it's like, all right, the ones that are not doing the quality, it's like you still aren't getting it, per se. You know what I'm saying? And and the thing for me, it's like, it's like okay, if you don't get it, then why are you continuously doing it? Fuck the fact of profit. I'm not saying, okay, we all can't come out here and make money, make profit, but it's like, bruh, like if you're doing some shit and it's leading the Dutch and it's not fucking benefiting or it's conducive to what needs to be done, the fuck are you doing it for? So I don't blame, I, listen, I, artists, shout out to y'all. I used to blame y'all when I was a heavy media person. Right. But ever since I've been A&R the last two years, you know what I'm saying? I've, I've I've really done my best to like do resolutions for this shit because it's not cool. It's not fair. Yeah. It's not right. You know what I'm saying? It's not right to take somebody's money who went through some struggle. I don't care if they hustled, if they worked a regular job, regular nine to five, whatever. They, it came from somewhere, and their expect their expectancy level is real raw. Yeah. It's real hunger ish. Hunger, right. yo. And it's like, yo, pull up and, 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 and come through. You know what I'm saying? Regardless of, okay, if you couldn't get said person to come through, okay. All right, fine. You didn't get him to come through. So the fuck what? But still, just still do something that's beneficial. It, that's why for me, I'll give it a buck. You would think within 16 years in entertainment, you would think I, I had an event under my name. No. Because you know why? Because I, I, I'm very, very passionate about what I do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm passionate. I'm super fucking passionate. So I need a team to to be willing to like accept my passion and understand how much I, how much I care for my fucking name on something. And I like that. That's important. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. People don't they don't understand, like it's your legacy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, of course you can rebrand, change your name or whatever, but like, why well, have to go through all the trouble? Just yeah, just you know do it saying? right the first fucking time. And then yeah. on top of that, you know what I'm saying? You um. It's just like, damn, yo, it's just the level of business, it's the ethics of business. Like, yo, why the fuck you got to cut corners just because you want a fucking profit? That's stupid shit to me. Right. You know what I'm saying? There's no, that's not even speaking longevity. Right. That's just speaking ass backwardness. You know what I'm saying? So I'm glad you touched on that, man. Real talk. And look, and there's like, for example, every city, every big enough city has a hot rock cafe. Right. And there's also a difference between open mic and a showcase, right? You can go to an open mic at a hot rock cafe where the... High Rock Cafe director of music, whatever that person is, mm -hmm. curates and handpicks bands to come up. So it's not just you know random Joe Schmo on a guitar that 
they don't know if he's going to be good or not, whatever. Right. But you can actually go to those if you make the relationship with the venue owner, maybe show some videos of past performances that you can actually play and entertain a crowd. You could literally play. I don't know if they charge for that. Maybe it's a small fee, but even they probably don't because they're already going to get, you know, I don't know, 200 people for the night, show up at the Hot Rock Cafe, mm-hmm. eat some food, have some good time, and then want to enjoy some good music. That's another way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Or even, you know, open mics. Get your feet wet as an artist to get that, you know, thing on stage. But showcase, the whole meaning of the word makes the artist think that they're going to be showed out to the world, to the consumer. Right. And that's not what's going on in 99% of them, right? Right. So, yeah, you know. It's, it's, it's going to be, hopefully it evolves, you know. <sighs> it, it, only thing hope, right? Let's go into, let's go, all right, let's go into your trials and tribulations that you went through within the music. I mean, you did touch on it, but let's really dig deep into it. What did you take from it, and what do you feel you wish, if you had to revisit it, you would ha- you would do differently? Right. Take us into that. Um. So I definitely learned what not to do. I, I call it, you know, the the thirty to forty thousand that I spent over like a three four year, year period that um, didn't accomplish anything what I thought it would accomplish. Right. It bought. It paid for my education to then succeed further in the music, right? So it's like there's really no solid college that I know of. Like, yeah, Berklee School of Music for, like, producers and musicianship. But for the business, it's, like, historical. It's not, like, in mm-hmm. the trenches today, right? So there's really no college for it except our accelerator that we created, which right. I'm hoping is going to be recognized as such. But um, that was my college, that 30, you know, whatever I lost. So and the way it happened is that I, you know, and definitely a couple lessons that I learned that I would do differently um, – or things that I would do differently now, but I had another company, Green Newer, which is the energy efficiency company, doing right. well. So I don't have too much time to focus on the music side. I came into the music industry in like 2012 as a hobby, as a producer. I love music. I went right. to school for mechanical engineering, but I always had, you know, a passion for the music. Right, the air, the air started, Yeah, I started producing. Matter of fact, I mixed a few records for MMG, for Rocky Fresh, and like, oh, wow. you know, nice. I love mixing and mastering, uh, nice. you know, producing, uh, you know, as a, as a passion. But when I got into it, uh, you know, having, uh, not having time, but having money, I was like, all right, let me partner with some people that maybe mm-hmm. know what they're doing. Let me get grab a local talented artist. And I do know the importance of marketing and like PR for other industries. So I wasn't naive thinking I'm just going to get a hard artist. We're going to put out a video on YouTube or SoundCloud. It's going to fucking pop off. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that marketing and, and PR was important. So I invested some money into that. I just didn't know how scammy those services in the music industry in particular were going to be. So 5000 here, hiring this person. We got fake streams on SoundCloud, fake comments. Ah. Another 3000 here for PR, this, this, and that, which uh, I should have known because in Greenewit, in my company, we did the PR the right way. But they were like, yeah, we can get you on these blogs. But then I was thinking, could they really? Because we don't really have – we're not – Right. There's, there's no accomplishments yet from my artist. Right. There's no accolades. Right. So with these really big, like, complex and the source, take us on. And then even some of the ones that do, it's not an actual blog that people read. It's like a Spotify for blogs. Anybody can have a fucking blog page on it. Right. And it's good for SEO. It's good for getting your blue Yeah, team. right. But be transparent about that. It's used for right. manipulation, right? So anyway, so those are all the services we did that didn't do anything for us. So then... You know, in my personal business life in 2016, uh, after the Obama administration uh, was over, the energy efficiency industry got hit really hard from a funding standpoint and just like Mm -hmm. the whole, you know, infrastructure in Maryland. So we had to shut down our company. And I was always uh, like the CTO of my companies that I was involved with in real estate and all that. So I was able to sort of, 
you know, my business partners went back and, and got like different jobs, but I was re- I refused to go and get a job. Right. So I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out how to be an entrepreneur again and figure some shit out. So mm-hmm. I created a software development company, a co-founder of a company that has 50 employees, focused on e-commerce. Mm-hmm. And then in 2017, I was like, you know, this was after like three or four years of just throwing money and stuff, but not focusing on full time and getting scammed. I was like, let me actually take the music industry seriously. And what I wanted to do, I already had a studio that was making money in Maryland, a lot of artists coming through. Um, but I was like, I always wanted to create an incubator for the music industry to help artists understand the business and make it independently. The reason was, is because um, when we're in Maryland, there were actually like business incubators mm. and centers like your local like uh, commerce uh, chamber of commerce that can help businesses get SBA loans and things like that. Right. There was infrastructure to help businesses to thrive. Right. Music industry I was like there was nothing like that in there. So that was the goal. So that was like the beginning, and I get you know got started um, uh, with the educational aspect of it. But what I would have done differently is not trying to focus on so many things at, at once. Right. It's always right. been told to me as feedback like. Back in the day, I used to do too many things, so I was like, let me consolidate it. But if I had more time to really study the industry back in 2013, 14, 15, whatever, when I was kind of like dabbling in it, um, maybe I wouldn't have made those same mistakes. But either way, I made those mistakes. I'm here, and the way I look at it, it was uh, failures that were really lessons. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I went through them. So I don't, neg- you know, again, like I don't use that as feels like, fuck it, I'm going to show everybody that I'm going to make it and then right. get, get back at people. No, nah, it's just like, okay. Hey, that happened. I still choose to be in this industry. Um, let, let's keep it moving. And people, you know, that are in other industries that know me, they're like, why the fuck would you get in the music industry so late? You know, I was like 33 when I got into it, really. Um, and all that, I'm like, it's a passion, man. Like, yeah. this is what I want to do. That, right. That's why. You're right. Because I've seen a lot of people get burned and lose quarter million here, there, investing in the artists, real estate moguls, millionaires. Got nothing out of it because they didn't know the, the the business of it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, yeah, definitely. No, I'm definitely glad you touched on that because, like I said, man, coming into this game, you got to ha- understand it. You know what I'm saying? Even for me, you know, I started my career as an actor, but I was so happy-go-lucky because I was leaving my high-fashion, you know, real estate job. You know what I'm saying? I was so happy-go-lucky that I got burned, you know, when I didn't understand the business. So when they stopped using me in four straight years... You know what I'm saying? Yep. I was getting depressed. I was like, oh, my God, the fuck, what to do? And, and you know, God forbid, I wish I was who I am now. Back then, oh, yeah, shit would have been definitely different. You know what I'm saying? But I'm glad you touched on that. All right, I, 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 I wanted to ask you this question. What's your take on A&Rs versus DJs in, in this era? Like, like what do you, who, who do you feel is, is more potent as of late? And why do you feel that both, both of them should maintain their power in the sense as far as in the music industry. Yeah. Take it, take us into that. So there are definitely two roles the way I see them. Um, DJ is important because uh, they can help break records, especially if they're the type of personality that wants to achieve more on their own and not just playing records off the record pool and all that. And they take risks and they will play their own artists. You know, DJ Cal talks about a lot of times, like, you know, they were going to let me play Rick Ross in the beginning, but I was just playing that record over and over and over, and he helped them out in Miami, you know what I'm saying, to do it. Because some DJs just kind of follow the rule. And I get it. You don't want to get, you know, fired or lose your job because some right. of the program directors, they're really on you. But that's the importance of a DJ. That, that's one thing, right, is that they can help artists shine. 
Um, another thing is that DJ can also be a personality and an influencer because they're in front of consumers, right? Like DJ Who Kid, you know, he's got a show. People know him. Now he can also throw events and things like that and not just help, you know, artists and all that, but kind of like help industry labels, you know, that way. It is interesting that a lot of people saying that the playlists are new DJs. Right. I don't believe that because yeah, playlists yeah, are yeah, bullshit. Yeah, that's just Good bullshit. curated playlists, which right. are like unicorns in the industry. Oh, my God. Yes. You could say that's a digital <laughs> Unicorns DJ. and needle in a haystack. Right. <laughs> so so that's why DJ is important. I feel like the A&R is behind the scenes. Like A&R is not going to be spinning music in front of 2,000 people rocking the crowd, right? Right. And also, I forgot to mention, the DJ in the EDM world is also a lot different from what a DJ is in the hip-hop world. Right. And so right. on and so forth. They're right. Because like they're, they they're, they're revered as... as Gods, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Versus hip hop DJs, it's like nah, far in between. But it's like, whoa, you're batshit crazy because just like you said, they're in front of at minimum 200 consumers per time they do a, do do their sets, yeah. or per events they do, or per fact of uh, uh, functions. That functions, keyword functions, they're a part of. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So definitely on that, and then and then definitely touch it with the A and R. I mean, you did touch on A and R, but touch more. Yeah. On the so A&R. I think the A and R is more behind the scenes. The, what I explain in in my understanding of what A and R should be is that's the architect right behind an artist's brand, mm-hmm. right? So they should. It's like the glue and the uh, the connection between the rest of the teams at a label potentially. The business development team, the legal team, perhaps the the publicist team, the marketing team, and all of that. Mm-hmm. So at least back in the day, what ANRs used to be, they would search for artists, they would create this either persona around them or a brand, and they would work with the rest of the label resources to make this shit happen and to get it to the next level. And I think to many extents, that's what ANR is now. Like they should be able to search for talent. Right. But we all know that talent is just a small piece of it. So they, A&R these days should understand that they have to understand the personality of the artist. Does it make sense to bring some of their team members on? Is there longevity in this artist? There's going to be a bunch of bullshit you're going to be dealing with. So A&R got to be a little bit of a psychologist. They got to have a good ear for music. They also have to understand marketing and the resources they got at their label to see if whoever they bring on can actually be focused on. Because you know how some labels are. Like you come mm-hmm. at the bottom of the totem pole and unless you scream real loud or show them somehow on your own as an artist that you're independently making moves, whether the label's going to do it or not, you know, that's how you get kind of to the top of the totem pole and get, you know, taken advantage of But the A&R can help with that. So I think that's an A&R. It's more behind the scenes. Okay. All right, cool, cool, cool. Nice and I'm glad, and I'm glad of what I heard because even with me, you know, um, I do my best to not fall to the trap of, okay, I'm too out there versus what I have to do behind the scenes. Now, don't not don't get it twisted. I do my best to balance both, which is shocking, yeah. right? Because on one hand, yes, I'm an A&R, but on the other hand, I'm, I'm an entertainer. You know what I'm saying? He's a podcaster. He's an actor. He's an event host. You know I like that. I think that could work, being a podcaster. Yeah, right. Here's why, because you can interview right. so many other individuals in the industry can learn what it all means, which makes you a better A&R. Oh, yeah, by far. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Oh, no, don't get it twisted. I mean, that's what Cuts is about. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That's what Cuts is about because at the end of the day, as I told you earlier in this in this episode, you know, I'm I'm doing my best to to really, you know, get to the resolution of things. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, being that, okay, now the years are getting up. You know what I'm saying? And also, too, mentally, I'm starting to see, okay, I don't need to be Okay, Remo Marac everywhere. 
You know what I'm saying? Even on a production standpoint, you know what I'm saying? I even let it be known, like, okay, end of this year, I'm not doing with productions no more because, you know, I, it's not fair to the actor in me. It's not fair to even the A&R in me in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, you know, that's the decision I'm, I'm coming with. And also, too, just like I said, it was refreshing to hear what you said about the A&R because I feel a good vast majority of A&Rs now are kind of like misinterpreting what it's supposed to be. not the not the major ones you know there's major ones that have always been doing right. their thing like those and when I say the major ones meaning the ones that still did it for like 20 30 plus years you know what I'm saying but even like with me you know I'm still I still feel I'm a rookie with it regardless because I did it for two years okay great I got accolades with it you know what I'm saying and, you know streaming platform awards and, and everything I'm attitude I got accolades for that but I'm still a rookie with it, you know, in comparison to the ones that have been doing it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So definitely to hear what you saying that is definitely refreshing to my ears and I hope definitely fresh to my creative's ears as well. You know, so I got the reach out hands to them. You know what I'm saying? But in in your heart of hearts, what do you feel can happen to the hip hop culture and just business alone going forward? Because for me, in a sense, I'm, I don't know. I got this weird feeling like it's just like starting to dwindle down. A lot of things are starting to dwindle down. You know what I'm saying? In a sense, like even with the even with the trap. Because yeah. I remember I was judging a contest the other the other night, and there was an artist that felt he had to do trap just to think that to win. And I'm like, brother, no. I'm like, yo, you got to get yeah. out of that shit. Be different. That's what everybody in the industry is like, bellying up and. And, and and voicing and saying, like, yo, we need a difference. You know what I'm saying? So definitely take us into what your insight is of that. Yeah, so coming here as a foreign kid, I immediately fell in love with hip-hop. I didn't even speak English, and already somehow it, it grabbed me, right? I was 12 years old. My first album was 99 Eternal by Bone Thugs. Wow. And, uh, Good know, album. And then Coolio against, and, and Tupac, right? So I was became infatuated with Tupac because in fifth grade in Slovakia, I learned about um, Machiavelli, mm. the, the strateg- war strategy in Italy yes. during the Renaissance era. And that's literally what I learned in fifth grade. Uh, in fifth grade in Slovakia, I moved to America, didn't really speak English. So now I'm sixth grade listening to, you know, Tupac and literally got shot and, you know, murdered that year. It was in 97. It was like the first year or second year in school. But he changed the name to Machiavelli. And I was mm-hmm. like, what, why? And then I dove deep. And there's a point behind this whole Jonah story is that you know, the way he was raised and what he was trying to do, I felt like that was hip-hop to me. Like, he tried to better the culture, educate Mm -hmm. the kids that grew up in the the hood and that don't have access to a lot of things. Like, he didn't... He wanted to help the... the, Not just the the hip-hop culture, but, like, the the American youth. Right. No matter who, you know. And in many respects, the other artists that I grew up on, like Nas and all of them, I felt like there was a lot of that, right? But then when I studied hip-hop even before I came to America... And, you know, it was all about, like, political uprising, like, talking about the, the struggle and all of that. It felt like to me it was more like, okay, this culture is going to empower, like, certain, you know, societies, and it's going to improve everything. And I agree with you. It, it sort of kind of got lost along the years. However, I feel like hip-hop now is also the new pop. Right. Hip-hop and rap is the biggest genre in the world. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be some, you know, double-edged sword. Right. And because it has so many resources, like, I love the shit, like, Jay-Z's doing with, like, opening up his own, like, incubators as well and, mm-hmm. you know, 
uh, colleges and things like that. So I'm hoping that more of that is going to come back, right? I think right. Uh, just from my perspective, like obviously, you know, whether it's as a trap artist or whatever, um, there's some type of a battle, like, you know, a little bit of responsibility, in my opinion, that some of these artists, when they get bigger, have to play. Okay. You know, just a little bit. Okay. Uh, let's, let's, let's dive into that. Yeah. As far as that responsibility, like, what do you, what do you feel in a, in a sense of the responsibility? Because let's just keep it real. All right. And I'm not saying that you and I know exactly of what the big figure artists or big figures right. for that matter are to be, but in a, it's a small scale. It's like, I, right, Hey, could you not give the vanilla answers in a sense in a sense, right. because you got to remember, these artists are not like us, the way we were coming up into yeah. this. You know what I'm saying? That okay, vanilla answers were okay, and we were still hungry enough to go get it. Not saying that that you know the vast majority of youth or create or youth creators there are are not hungry enough, but I feel they, like I said, just rather instant gratification versus actual research that leads to longevity. You get what I'm yeah. saying? So yeah, so definitely let's let's expunge on that. Like what do you what's your take on it? Or what do you feel is the responsibility per se? Or what what or what does responsibility look for you within the hip hop culture? Right. I feel like it's just uh shifting the energy or evolving the energy in the individuals. That's what I mean by that. Like it what you told me earlier where the kid felt like he had to do trap music because that was like the thing right. that was popping. But the the you know, some of the artists that came uh from their circumstances, did it because they were actually living it. But for a kid to grow up and look at the hip hop culture and say, "This is what I got to do," but th- that's not the lifestyle they came from. Right? That, you know, why? Why didn't you look at Jake? How come you didn't feel like Jake Cole was maybe the example to look at? Right? So I'm hoping that eventually that, that can shift. And where I feel like the energy could shift is that uh, no matter what circumstance you come from as a human being, and you got to get one way or another to the to the next level. Hopefully, your energy shifts to say, "Look." We used this as a launching pad, you know, and look, it came from rough areas, like a lot of my friends died or whatever whatever right. happened. But now that I'm here, even though I'm doing the music I am, let me shift the energy a little bit and teach the youngins to maybe stay away from it and not, like, uh, what's it called, like, um, pour fuel in that fire to make it even worse, you know what I'm saying, oh, like, to man. give the examples. Mm-hmm. So, and I think, again, it goes back to the individual individual choice. Right. Um, and... So if, if those artists get more money, more free time, more all that, again, it's going to be on them personally to figure out if they want to shift their energy into educate themselves more about the business and all that. Do they want to pass that down to, you know, their peers or the, their community where they came from or not? So it's going to be either personal or hopefully some of the mentors that they have at the labels will reach out and say, you know, even though we're here now, what, what do you think about setting up a community center back at home right. to help educate kids about X, Y, and Z and all that and bring it back to education? So that's what I mean by the shift of energy. Mm. So it doesn't have to just continue to, you know what I'm saying, promote the, the lifestyle that they came from and then they were living. I, I know it's tough, you know, and I can't speak on it for those as a white kid, but I feel like I can speak on a little bit as, as a foreign kid coming from an yeah, area that definitely there was from no opportunity. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? One thing was just crazy. We had a lot of great education, but there was no fucking opportunity. Right. And a lot of corruption when Slovakia came and, you know, got out of communism and all that. So my parents moved here. And that's why I feel like I can sort of relate to say, look, everybody's got a circumstance. But if you can help educate later down the line, no matter mm-hmm. where, you know, and that's what I helped, you know, Phil Hip Hop was for me when I came here. It was like, 
this this uh, entrepreneurial like hustle mentality that was basically saying, well, if the government's not going to do shit to help our people or mm-hmm. certain communities, let's take it in our own hands and, and help. And then somewhere right. along the way, it I don't know if it's the industry, the cor- the corporate, or you know. That, that, that's, that, that's who, who knows what the pimp yeah, you know so I think it's the personal energy I think that's what if it could shift and hopefully I can help some of that any rapper or trapper or you know what I'm saying or a, any genre like I, I met some you know kids that do rock or reggae that grew right. up in you know certain circumstances if I can help to change their perspective teach them the business see things from a different angle and all that hopefully that translates not saying they have to start making music differently but from what they do Besides the music, hopefully that kind of translates uh, to helping, you know what I'm saying, others as well. Nah, that's what's up, man. Let's, th- let's definitely get back to your accelerator program. Um, what's, what do you feel is the vetting well, – all right, what's the vetting system with your program? And as well as how much have you felt that doing the vetting system saved you from making the mistakes of putting an artist on that didn't deserve it? Take us into that. Gotcha. So the accelerator program, it's – $60 a month, so it's nothing crazy. Be, and the reason I created it is because our digital marketing services as a company are way more expensive. We start at $1,200 a month. That's for the labor, and then the artist has to provide their own budget for the marketing. We manage them on their behalf to help them take to the next level. There's so many artists were saying, well, what can you do for 100 for 200 And I'm not that type of person. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I got you on some playlists. Give me the 200 Like I just said, right now, nothing. This was like three years ago. Mm-hmm. But then when I created the Accelerator, which I first want to have a physical incubator. Right. Again, being in the DMV just didn't make a lot of sense. And right. I didn't have the investor or the money to launch it in New York or Atlanta. So when I did it online, I was like, let me make a program that can start teaching artists the business, like business one-on-one, like what is supply and demand? Right. How does a McDonald's maybe compared to a label? Because they both got distribution. They both got branding departments. They both got product creation departments. Mm-hmm. They both got H- HR departments. They mm-hmm. both, you know, all of that. Legal, financial. Right. So um, that's one-on-one. I'm teaching the business. And then we jump into the more, um, you know, uh, deeper subjects. Like how do you actually advertise for Spotify? And how do you convert or retarget your followers to maybe some some merch, blah, 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 right? So there's really no uh, um, evaluation to get artists in there. It's like get in there, start learning. And we have weekly virtual management sessions, Q&As, things like that. Um, let's let's go, you know continue on with that. So I'm like supporting them once they start learning on how to do it. If they can't afford the services, they can learn how to do it themselves and start with very small budgets. So there's no vetting process there. But I think what you're asking me, like, how do I vet an artist that we want to work on the larger level? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, 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 definitely take my credits out. I want them to really take heavis and and definitely use your uh, program for sure. Yeah. So if I want to work with an artist and actually invest a lot of my time on a weekly basis to sort of lead the effort, kind of like a COO of the operation or the CEO of the operation uh, with the artist, is that now I largely look at, simply put, is the artist entrepreneurial? Mm. Take us into that. Break that down. It's not just the talent. To me, if I actually have this Excel sheet that I kind of follow to evaluate an artist and the ability to create dope music and all of that, that's on there, but that probably makes up like 10 or 15% of all of it. Mm -hmm. The other portions are, are they willing to uh, follow directions? Are they a team player? Are they going to cause bullshit issues? Or how's the, you know, are they willing to communicate? Are they the ones that never communicate about their feelings and next thing you know, six months later, some shit blows up? Mm -hmm. You know, do they have a team? Are they coming with a team? 
Is there entrepreneurial spirit and meaning that will they go out there and do certain shit on their own? Like if I say you got to get some interns and hit the streets with some QR codes and cards and all of that, is that going to happen or are we going to have to babysit, right? No, so I don't want to be a babysitter. Jesus um, Louise. So once I go through my checklist of identifying are they a potential future entrepreneur, mm-hmm. are they already like, you know, they have the hustle mentality and all of that besides the music, then we can, you know, spark it. Of course, the budget has to be there, an investor and all of that. But at that point, I will make a decision to say, let's create a label around them or offer label services or maybe exchange uh, a much lower cost of our uh, real marketing services in small exchange for like portion of their, you know, streaming royalties or something like that. So there's many different ways to structure the deal. But what I learned the hard way over many, many years is that mm. the talent is the first like initial drawing point. But if the, the personality and the, all that other stuff is not there, the competency, the being on time, just respecting people's time, communicate well and all that, it's going to be an uphill fucking battle. Oh, and it's God, Jesus you know? Christ. I'm glad you touched on that, man. Real talk, because oh, Chase and I, we be going through it crazy with, with our artists or artists that we work with. And it's like sometimes it feels like a, a beating a dead horse. And then other times it's like you yourself find yourself giving up. Like, what do you feel with you is are the ways you don't give up in that sense? Because let's be real. You know, we're, we're, we're human at the end of the day. And, and regardless of if that if the way you break it down, okay, 15% here, 10% here, 10% here, 15% here. But they don't equate to it because you get frustrated and you just give up. Like, oh, I don't even care. You didn't even make 5%. You got to get out of here. You know what I'm saying? What do you do to, like, keep yourself away from losing off the focus um to keep myself focused i think comes from largely comes from uh my passion because i enjoy it mm-hmm. i've learned that as well as, as i grew as a you know human being that uh initially when i was younger just try to do things for the money a lot of times like which is respectful you got to earn you know a living but no, right if you're not passionate it's going to be much tougher to get through those obstacles right so I feel like I won't give up because I'm just too passionate about the industry, helping other artists, and wanting to, ha- wanting to have my own label one day and you know have some respect in the game as well for breaking certain artists that I thought were the right ones to focus on. Um, so for me, I'm not going to lose focus because the passion is there. But when would I give up on the project or let's say there's a partnership we form with uh, another artist and their team you know, it's so because I have a lot of business experience from Greenewit and my software development company, I'm heavy on project management. I'm heavy on creating uh, measurement um, systems that can help me evaluate the key performance indicators, KPIs of the relationship. So, you know, numbers obviously of, of revenue and all that are there, but I'm, I'm realistic about the industry. I know how it works, that that comes a lot of times later. But it's those other things, like how many times do they skip out on the meeting? Or that we have to chase them around, right? So eventually, if, if too many of those things don't go right and, you know, my assistant or my team is tracking that, because first of all, it's not just me. I got a great fucking team. Shout out to Nick, Kyle, mm-hmm. Justin, Emmy, Yo. you know, Jesus, everybody on, on my team. Um, but once we identify those factors, then, you know, it's just a conversation that has to be had to say, look, you know, th- th- this hasn't worked out. This is not working out, so on and so forth. You know, and I hope that, if once we depart the relationship, both people have respect for each other. And I would expect the same, you know, look, one of the things I constantly try to work on is balance. Mm. And as a CEO of the company and running essentially two companies, 
trust me, I, a lot of times I drop balls as well. Right. Right, but it's kind of like, I don't know if you know Gary V. Oh, yeah, I, well, I, I sparingly do because um, shout out to Hip Hop Gamer. We produced at his office in okay. uh, Hudson Yards. We, we, we did an episode there and everything like that. So I think, we sp- and I know another time, we, him and I, we sparingly crossed paths. At an event, you know what I'm saying? Like it was sparing me, but okay. you know, definitely I would love to like. And the reason I mentioned him, yeah, yeah, he, he made me feel good about juggling too many balls because he's like, "Fuck it, all right." So you're juggling 35 balls. Yeah, you're gonna drop seven, but you still are juggling 28 others that are not dropped. So as long as you communicate and are transparent with people and ask for their feedback and also try to improve or put in systems to improve, it's better to juggle 35, drop seven, but complete 28 than to maybe juggle just one or two. You know, there's different theories because people say just juggle one or two and become the best at it as you can. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Right. But somehow my person, I, I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. I've tried to narrow down what, what I do, but, you know what I'm saying, so I'm mentioning that because, you know, it, it's not just like always me making the decision I'm going to fire somebody. I want the, the mutual, you know what I'm saying, feedback there because they may feel like I'm not working out. And if I don't want to lose the partnership, I need to know why. Is it, is it me? Is it my team? What can we do better? You know, I feel like I have a consumer-centric outlook on things. That's why I try to also explain to artists, like, what does that mean? Like, it's it's a company that cares about the consumer or your client, you know, whatever it is, as opposed to saying, nah, we're just going to be about us, what we do, right? Because a lot of artists would be like, fuck it, I'm just going to make the music that I like. I don't give a shit if anybody else likes it. And I'm like, look, I'm not, yes, be be authentic. Do your own music. But if you want to succeed in this game, you got to care about what your fans think about it a little oh, bit. Oh, by far. Yeah, and I'm not saying do some, you know, like some extensive research to be like, okay, I want to make songs because, you know, like like that one kid feeling he's got to do trap because somehow he analyzed, like, that's the thing, you know, to do. But, like, be a little bit consumer-centric, and that's how I run my companies as well. We care about our clients, and we try to be transparent, and we care about the consumer at the end of the day, you know? That's what's up. And I'm glad you touched on that about about the artists and being marketable, or the artists and having to do for their fans. Um what do you feel about marketability versus talent? Do you feel it should one should weigh over the other, or it should be balanced enough that it should benefit for that creative or for that artist? Take us into that. I'm starting to realize a little bit more that marketability outweighs the talent. Mm, all right, take, yeah, expo- expunge on that. Um, here's why. If every talent could be marketed and made into an A-list artist, a lot of the amazingly talented like singers and vocalists at Baptist churches on every given Sunday could be made A-list artists, but it just that's not what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. So, and you also see a lot of mediocre artists that just have awesome, like, eccentric personalities. Right. They have smart marketing teams within themselves, can market themselves a certain way, whatever, um, and they just get further. And the reason is, is because, you know, we live in the capitalistic environment when it comes to the music industry. And especially in the, in, in the beginning stages of uh, artists' careers, it's like 80% marketing, 20% about the talent and the music, right? So if that 80%, which is the marketability factor, if that can't really launch a talented artist to the next level, then you have to, you know, rethink, like, what, what, what's wrong here? You know what I'm saying? Because... I'll give you an example. If you have somebody that's, uh, and this is just like real shit people deal with. If you have an artist that's super introverted or somebody that has mass anxiety to go in front of people or right. to do oh, that, man. and you have a label put 
millions of dollars behind trying to market them, but they can't go out on stage because they need to go to ER because they just broke down or, you know, real shit people deal with. As a business, it's going to be a problem. And that's the unfortunate thing because, you know, you can't just always make it about business. But some labels do, and they don't give a shit about if their artists are doing drugs, how they feel inside. I mean, we, you know, we hear their stories like rest in peace to Juice World, but shit like that happens. It's just sad because he's super talented. But what was his label doing really to, to try to him. help him? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So um, it's, that's, that's a huge part of it. All right, yeah, right. No, and, and I want my creators to understand we're not saying don't be talented. Aim for marketability. Yeah. That's not what this was about. I just want—I was just getting an insight from from Mate in regards to that because you know him, me, and Mate, or Mate and myself, you know, what I'm saying this is the things that we have to do to go into our decisions of if we're going to take on said artists, of if we're going to network with said artists and, and their team and everything like that. Do we do we take the risk and don't take that person who's going to blow up? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And take the one that, okay, we can build their story up quicker because, okay, it, it, it's, it's a lot of work we got to put into it, but we could build it up quicker right. in a sense or build it up to advance it. You know what I'm saying? There's a whole, it's a whole science of music yeah. stuff. And man. if I can, let me give you another yeah, real it. life example because I touched on one that's like kind of psychological, but here's another, yeah. I guess this one is personality related as well. I had a situation where, we were putting together a uh, endorsement deal with a clothing line. Right. Pretty decently sized clothing line, recognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were bringing our artists there because it was, you know, there was talent there. There was some decent numbers. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to make them a micro uh, influencer for the company to get an endorsement deal. Right. Well, when the interview happened between the company and the artist, because the, the way the artist acted, just a lot of, you uh. know, uh, narcissism oh, yeah. and cockiness and all of that. Oh, yeah. The company came back and they were basically like, well, look, I, I don't think this one's going to work out because I don't think your artist is ready yet to sort of intelligently represent our brand. Right. And, and when they said intelligently, it doesn't mean that oh. they have to be some dork nerd like talking about how the shirt is made from what fucking fabric. It meant that even if you're going to put on a persona of like the the... the the, the ladies man or the persona of a gangster or whatever know how to properly do it in front of the marketplace and the consumer but when it comes to talking you know uh, in the business world you have to put a different hat on mm-hmm. and understand how to communicate there 50 Cent by the way put out a fucking awesome book I encourage every artist to read it Hustle Harder Hustle Smarter I feel like he's a genius of doing that of marketing himself a certain way but when he's behind closed doors in the business sense he gets a lot of respect He's very organized, very smart in terms of how to put the operation together and all that. And that's what I mean by that is that you can't – you have to understand when to separate a persona that's marketable. Right. Away from what you need to do on the back, behind the scenes to make sure those relationships keep going and they, and they respect it. Because that's a real example of a deal that was lost and didn't have to be. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I say the – and that was the marketability. If that brand felt comfortable – with that artist representing them in a in the boardroom correctly, as well as in front of the consumers, when it came time to be the delay, whatever they would have been like, okay, awesome, you know what I'm saying? But it wasn't communicated that way from their perspective, and you know that's like what do they call it? I, w- I wouldn't say that's media training. It's a little bit of that. That's just like business communication training, maybe, and that's why maybe sometimes artists 
can be part of those conversations. Right. But then everybody's like, well, I want to be my own boss. I want to be on my own masters and all that. God. Respect. I got you. Right. But do you know what that means and how to really make that work behind the scenes? Because there's a difference. And then they're mad. We're like, well, I don't want to have a boss and all that. But let's be real. A lot of artists that are signed to the label screaming that I'm my own boss, they're really employees for the label. Right. And it's okay. That's okay. You know. As long as the machine works and they're comfortable with the cut they're getting, right. it could be a fruitful relationship. Right, but, and, you know and let's, 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 let's still stay on that. Like, is the, why is that happening? Because you're starting to hear more and more stories that, okay, the ones that are screaming, oh, we're independent, we do want, you know, not signed to label, it's like, okay, low-key you guys are. Like, take us into what you feel, how is that process going about? And also, too, why does it also get confused as a distribution deal? Right. Let's, let's, let's go into that. Let's dive into that. So first of all, I think independent is one of those like trendy words. Right. Just like, I want to own my own masters. Right. What does that really mean to you? Do you even know what that means? Because mm. you, know, you can own 100% of something that's worth $10, that's mm. worth $10, but you right. can own 10% of something worth a million, now you got 100 grand. But anyway, so first of all, independent is, is, is this trendy word, just like entrepreneurship became this trendy word, oh, but it's God. really hard to be an entrepreneur. Right. Not just the business, but like it's balance in life. Ash, and, yeah, it's you know actually crazy hard. So then it comes, this is what I, I like to explain to certain artists. And this is just all hypothetical and an assumption on my part. But they're like, why doesn't Drake go independent and da 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 or some of these big artists? Maybe he's got a really good um, uh, deal with the label, split that he's comfortable with. And he recognizes that the human resources that the label provides, the, the 25 employees, the publicists, the marketing people, mm-hmm. the SEO tech guys behind the computer, the security, the, 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 the tour support, right. the truck, all of that, that he's okay with the, the label running it. Because otherwise, if he wants to be independent on the level he's at, he would not have to fucking form his own company and literally run all of that himself or hire people that he trusts that run the tour you know, support department, right? The legal liability, the the marketing, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Maybe he doesn't want to run all. And you know, Drake, to give him credit, he's a smart businessman to begin oh, yeah, with. By far. But maybe he doesn't want to run that, so he's comfortable with that major label deal. And the independent artists that are successful independent, they've over time learned how to do that, and they sort of enjoy it. They put the right people in place because they learn the business, and they're also CEOs and bosses, or at least co-founders or co you know operational officers of their own teams and they're the front man facing or the front you know girl facing as an artist as well so that's the that's the difference if you truly want to be independent it's not just a trendy word there's a lot of fucking work that it's going to take and it's not just you that also usually means you were able to form your own company around yourself and that's a team that's something i'm still as an entrepreneur with having a company that has 50 employees and the, the music company that has like eight or nine uh, resource that we work with, I still am trying to get better at hiring, training, and then right. firing if I have to. Right. I'm the type of guy that I hate I hate firing people. Right. You know what I'm saying? Nobody likes to fire yeah. somebody. So if you want to be an independent artist, either you're going to have to figure out how to do all that, the communication, the business, and all of that, or partner up with somebody that you trust that all they're going to want to do is live and breathe the business shit, the operations, all mm-hmm. of that, put the right people in place. Because right. then you're not going to be successful independent. Or... Look, there's so many levels to it, right? Mm-hmm. But this the the bottom line is you, you're going to be a business owner, not just an artist. Whereas you could be a dope-ass artist and let the label do a lot of shit for you and just understand that, okay, even if you're getting 20%, 30%, it's probably fair. Because if you try to do what the label does, let's be real, you couldn't. And we see a lot of examples of that. 
artists go from majors to being independent and then they kind of you never hear you know from them again and there's also some that learn a lot from it become independent you don't hear of them unless you're a fan because there's no more that big gramophone that the label you know the machine that they used to have right but they're doing well on themselves they just don't get talked about i feel like enough in the industry um and then the independent artists that want to be independent they never find those interviews we know what interviews they do find. They find the interviews with the A-list artists that play a persona. They're entertainers, but not independent artists. You know what I'm saying? That's what another thing I tell artists is that a lot of artists are looking to music artists in their interviews to see if they're telling them a blueprint for success. Right. But I'm like, guys, majority of the time, they're entertainers. That's like watching a movie and... I don't know, a mo- some movie that an actor is a lawyer in. And then and you're thinking like, that they can actually yeah. do lawyer work. Exactly. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? the best comparison I can I get. I know, right, no, right, no. But so. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that shit is hilarious, though. But now, Monte, let's, let's get with the final thing right here. Um, definitely tremendously what you're doing so far, you know what I'm saying? And, and definitely much flowers for you to keep it going and what you're doing for independent artists. Let's say you're at year 15 now I'm just saying of what you're doing so far what would you at year 15 or what do you think you at year 15 would want to thank you in the beginning of your career what do you think you would want to thank yourself Mm. for what aspects yeah 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 Uh, just in general like what do you do like let's just say you imagine yourself okay at year 15 so that's 11 years from now what do you think you would want to thank yourself, your yourself in the beginning, or the younger you. What do you think you would want to thank yourself on? Um, I know, I know, that was a trip down, but I, I just the, the willingness to learn, like okay, you know, I definitely got to thank my mom and my parents for their rate. That's that's a huge contribution to keeping me grounded and right, breeding a certain mentality into me. Okay, um, you know, and I, it's just. It's, here's what I going to school and maybe this has been in me since I've been a little kid but like going to school for mechanical engineering going through all the damn physics classes and all the math you're, you're learning how to solve problems mm-hmm. and I enjoy solving problems okay you know so I would thank myself for like um, going deeper and deeper into enjoying solving problems and even though times get rough and look I've been through depression I've been through hard times always have the mentality and the drive to like figure out how to get better and improve and hopefully improve the people around me and listen to people around me. You know, I need to improve on that. Like just like listening sometimes and taking that perspective and, and working with that, you know, but so I, I think just thanking myself for the, the, the willingness to solve problems and um, try to keep a positive outlook. Cause I know some, it's, it's very difficult for some people to always stay positive. All right, man. That's what's up, man. Yo, Monte. Yo, real talk, man. I gotta reach across the stats. Yo, man. I really appreciate this, man. I really appreciate this opportunity, man. man. Talking with you and everything. But let everybody know where to follow you at. Reaching out to my creators right now. You can even reach into your camera. Let everybody know where to follow you at. Give all your information out. You heard? Absolutely. So the best way to go about it is to look me up on Instagram at Mate, which is M A T E J underscore H underscore Entrepreneur. Right. I know it's long, but yeah. <laughs> so you got to spell that. Or uh, digitalsciencemedia.com. That's my um, marketing company for the music industry. Mm-hmm. So that's easier, digitalsciencemedia.com. From right. there, you can find my um, you know, socials and all that. 
and that's how we can get in touch. And uh, look out for in September, Talent Accelerator Group. Yes, yes. TAG, that's the partnership with me and Clinton Sparks. Yes, yes, sir. Clinton Sparks, I'm going into the camera. You must come through for season five. I don't care if Mate has to do the alley-oop for that shit. You have to come here or whatever. I'll come to you. I don't give a damn. We have to get you on here for season five, son. Yeah, I'll I'll through, man. That has to go down. To come back. That has to come down. If you two, yeah, if it even has to be the both of you, so be it. We have to get this done. Nonetheless, my creators, this is episode 108. Wade, we are at 108 episodes, motherfucker. That's awesome, man. <laughs> 108. Eight. Staying consistent. I heard it. Cuts podcast. You know what the cuts stand for? Culture, urban technology, and sports. My creators, you know the spiel, okay? Follow me on Instagram, Remo Marac underscore. Follow the web, follow the um, podcast, c.u.t.s, double underscore. Also, hit me up on Twitter at Remo Marac. Also, go to the website, RemoMarac.com. Also, to go to CutsPodcast.com. And, yo, get the merch. Look, it's the shirts here, damn it. Get the merch. CutsPodcast.shop. But, no, nonetheless, like I said, Episode 108 of Cuts Podcast. You know what the cuts stand for. Culture, urban, technology, and sports. My creators, it's about that time. Ah! You know the hashtag? It's PTC. That's pound that chest. Come on! Man! You already know what it is. When I go like this over the eyes, it's the two up. We out of here. And that's peace. Hey, my creators, what's going on, man? You know what it is, man. This is Neighborhood Ruger Sprayer, Remo Marac. Nonetheless, man, you just listened to another episode of Cuts. You know what the Cuts stand for? Culture, Urban, Technology, and Sports. Nonetheless, my creators, if you want more, if you want more episodes, if you want to give feedback, hey, if you want to be a guest on the podcast, hit the email, cutspodcast1 at gmail.com, as well as the Instagram. Hit the Instagram up. At c.u.t.s double underscore. Hey, even if you want to get on my personal Instagram, you know what it is, man. Hit me up at Remo Marac underscore on Instagram as well as on Twitter at Remo Marac. Also, too, if you want to go to my website, hit my website up, RemoMarac.com. And also, too, music creatives. You want to send me your music? Send me your music. I'll give you a great feedback. Also, on Groover.com. You know what's up. You know what it is. The hashtag PTC, that's pounding that chest. Come on, man. Let's get it.